Hi everybody, you're listening to the Rope Podcast with Fox and Maya. Thanks for supporting the show. This is a show with adult content, so if you're not of legal age where you live, turn off now. This podcast is about rope bondage. Rope bondage is edge play with inherent risk, and we strongly recommend you get proper training and listen to episode zero before attempting it. Find it at the top of our FedLife page, Rope Podcast. Box is a rigger and Maya's a bottom, and we're rope partners who've been practicing together for about three and a half years. We're excited to share our passion for rope with you, and we live in Thailand. I am excited, Maya, because today we are doing one of our listeners' question episodes. Oh, that sounds exciting. So who's our listener? We are getting today a question from Ko from Bangkok, Thailand, which is where we also live. Okay. Uh, let's listen in and see what Ko would like to ask today. So as a rigger, I often get the question from uh, people if I can tie them. And then if I ask, sure, what do you want? Um, they usually answer, I don't know. How to deal with that? Okay, Maya, so that's an interesting question. And I can, I can relate to that to an extent. I've been in that situation before. Um, okay, so what? Um, let's start at the, the less experienced end. So you're a rigger, you're at a party, um, and someone says, okay, can you tie me? What, what do you say? What do you do? Well, I think in this case, you start by finding out a bit about the person who's asking you to what? tie. Dum, dum, dum. Uh, I would probably start by asking about their experience level. Because often, not always, but often, someone who tells you that could be completely new to rope. They could have very little experience or no experience whatsoever. And then that requires handling it in a particular way. Okay, so they, they want to be tied um, and they either like the rigor for their experience or for them as a person. There's, there's something that they're attracted to the rigor mm -hmm. and the rope, but they don't really know what, why, who, where, when. They, they might not really know what rope is in the more extreme cases. So what else would you talk to them about? Uh, first of all, I would slow down the interaction, okay. sit them down somewhere. You wouldn't like rope them up straight away. I would avoid Just doing that. Just be like, okay, let's go. Yay, I happen to have rope in my pocket, let's do it. Uh, no, I would try to sit down with them, if possible, in a quiet corner, if we're at a party, say, so we can have a conversation, talk to them about their rope experience. Uh, I would ask them how much they know about the risks of rope. Okay. Because consent needs to be informed, among other things. And so someone who doesn't know anything about rope can't really consent to being tied. So it's an interesting one, isn't it? Because um, we're putting some of the onus on the rigger as a more experienced person within this particular interaction mm -hmm. uh, to do some education rather than saying that the bottom should educate themselves before they come to the scene. And you know, I wish it wasn't like that, but years of experience have led me to the conclusion that actually it is like that. And as the rigger, I do feel that I have this responsibility, although I would like it much better if it was more of a shared responsibility. Yeah, so if you're a bottom and you're extremely new to rope listening to this, or you, know, you haven't even done any rope yet, do try and take responsibility for your own part in the 
rope interaction. And we have an episode on um, responsibilities in rope, responsibilities mm-hmm. of the top, responsibilities of the bottom. Mm-hmm. Um, and do try and remember that you are um, 50% of this interaction and, and it's um, incumbent on you to educate yourself as well as the rigor doing things to you. Absolutely. Okay, so you would, you would talk to them a bit about the risks of, well, mm-hmm. what, how would you then respond? Well, there's two main scenarios that could stem from that. Either they say, yes, I understand the risks of rope bondage and they are A, B, C, D. And by the way, I listened to episode zero of the rope <laughs> podcast last night. So I'm like super ready to go. And then obviously we're going to have an amazing scene <laughs> together. Uh, or I find out that they don't really know much or at least don't know enough about the risk of doing rope together. And then I have two options, uh, depending on the situation. I might just postpone the scene and tell them like, look, we have half an hour. This is a busy party. It's loud. There's people everywhere. We don't really have the time to have the conversation we need to have, but let's meet up next Tuesday and we'll do rope then. Okay. Uh, Or if we have plenty of time, if there's a quiet space we can use to have a conversation, then I would take some time with them to discuss the risks for them to know what they're getting into and try to establish with them what their acceptable level is in terms of risk profile, Um, asking them questions like, what they do for a living, what would be the consequence if they had, for instance, wrist drop as a result of the scene, where they usually say, what's wrist drop? I've never heard of it before. Yeah. Uh, and then you explain what wrist drop is, and they become white as a sheet in the face, and they run away. Uh, All right, so so that's kind of step one. You've talked to them. Say they, they have got a bit of experience, and they do understand the risks of work. What do you do then? So to come back to Ko's question, it's centered on the what of the scene. What are we going to tie? What's going to happen? So it's essentially a question of scene building. And if the person is newer, she won't be able to tell you, okay, I would like to do a Seminawa scene um, based on Ebishibari, (laughs) because she has no idea what any of those words mean. Yeah. Uh, She or he, by the way. As a habit of speaking, I tend to refer to bottoms uh, using female pronouns, but it's usual once in a while to remind that any role in rope can be of any gender. Um, But yeah, in my case, I am a male who ties uh, females. Um, So I would talk to them about what kind of sensations they would enjoy. Would they enjoy something slow, something fast, something tender, something aggressive? Um, and people tend to say, well, if it's a new person, you would need to do something slow and not aggressive. But actually, that person might be new to rope, but be a very experienced BDSM player and a heavy masochist, someone who's interested in the pain aspect of rope. So it doesn't mean that because we don't have rope experience, you can't play with those aspects whilst remaining in a less extreme uh, risk profile, I would say. Okay. And then would you ask any more specific questions? I would ask them specific questions in particular about their body. Uh, do they think they would like rope around their feet? Do they think they would like rope around their breasts and so on? Like what parts of their body they like to have engaged in play? A uh, couple of times I've encountered bottoms who didn't want their feet touched in any way, wanted to keep their socks on and like, had <laughs> yeah, a thing about their that. feet. 
uh, which is fine. Like so, everyone is absolutely allowed to have their own boundaries and preferences, yeah. and we want to respect that. Yeah, I don't like open my mouth. So yeah, so that's, that's a thing that would need thing. to come up yeah, before exactly. before you play. All right, and then how would you build those abstracts and specifics into a, a scene or a tie? Um, I would try to construct in my mind, drilling down from those high concepts to those more practical things, um, a scene that's compatible with their answers on risk, their answers on preferences, on parts of their body. And so if the person said, uh, I don't want any rope uh, lower than the waist and I don't want to risk my hands because I have... Uh, an art project that starts tomorrow and I need my fingers to work, uh, I would probably do, let's say, a hand-free chest harness. Okay. Um, so this sounds like, to me, the more experience you have as a rigger and the more possibilities you have in your arsenal, the mm -hmm. easier it's going to be to choose. If, you, if your go-to is... TK. A TK, sure. <laughs> Um, but that's all you've learned, then it's going to be much harder for you mm -hmm. to adapt that to a different person because Cause one day you're, you're going to run into Maya and she's going to tell you, <laughs> I don't do TKs, and then you're going to panic. That was a jinx. Anyway, uh, so, what, so what else? Well, um, if the person says they really don't know, you always have the option of starting doing something and keeping the communication channel open and making sure like everyone's having a good time. And you can also learn about them by doing. Uh, and then the more you play with that person, the more you're going to get to know them and the better and better rope you're going to be able to do with them. Caveats of this way of doing things, you need to be sure that this person is going to be outspoken enough yeah. that if something is tried that they don't like, they're going to tell you. Yeah. And sadly, that is not everyone. Yeah, very much so. And it's hard for you. I mean, some people will say they can and they, then they can't. So it's probably a tire where you as a rigger need to be a lot more alert, mm -hmm. I would say. So um, what if they're not a newbie, but they're experienced in rope already? What would you say is the way to go then, Maya? So then I think you can explore um, the past scenes with them a bit more so what experience do they have and i think you're very right it's not just about their rope experience but their bdsm mm -hmm. experience you know are they masochist um do they like sensual activities so understand their experience and then their rope experience mm -hmm. as well so what have they done is it mostly floor partial suspensions is it mostly hurty rope um, is it just with one partner and it's a particular style? And then you can explore those same questions. So what feelings in rope have they liked? Yeah. So when they've been in rope, what kinds of experiences have they enjoyed the most? Or um, disliked strongly. Yeah, yeah. Had feelings about, basically. Yeah. Um, and what moments in rope have they liked or disliked and why? Mm -hmm. um, so that might also get you to the what parts of their body do they like or not like. So for me, for example, um, I have um, well-proportioned breasts. You have very large breasts, Maya. And people, riggers really love tying around them because they're like... Large. Yeah. Um, and I don't mind and that. Bouncy. They are very bouncy. And playful. Yes, all those things. I don't mind that. Um, I don't like the look 
of bound breasts, but I don't mind the feel. So if they want to do a photo shoot, I would, like, if, the, if they want to take a photo at the end of the rope, then I would say don't bind my breast because I don't like it. Mm-hmm. Whereas if they, um, if we're just doing it for play and we're not taking any photos, then I don't mind if they bind my breast if I don't have to see it later. Mm. So that's something I happen to know about myself. Um, because you've done enough rope that I've you know those things. Yeah. Hey guys, this is Fox coming in for a short break. We really love making this rope podcast and sharing it with you. Sadly, hosting a podcast isn't free. Far from it, actually. So if you like this podcast and you want to support us, you can do so at ropepodcast.com. You'll find ways to buy rope stuff so that we get a cut from your purchases and also ways to donate to us directly. And if you can't afford to do that, that's okay too. Just enjoy the podcast. Now back to our normal programming. But you know, the more experience you have, the more different places rope might have touched. Like a really subtle thing for me is that rope that squeezes the inside of my arms is a bit painful because the skin is sensitive there. Like that's the kind of thing that's really small and subtle um, and you don't find out really until you've done a lot of rope. That makes a lot of sense. Um, I also know I like more hurty rope but I'm quite happy to do most kinds of rope. And I think this is going to be the challenge of the more experienced person coming to you and saying, I don't mind. It's not that they don't understand the risk or anything like that. It's that they are comfortable with the rigor leading probably Mm. and them exploring different areas with that rigor. Um, But that still leaves the poor rigor with a bit of a (laughs) challenge. So either way, what are the th- the kind of key um, points that we our rigor should uh, make sure they do within the discussion? Well, in this situation, I would absolutely 100% go with an inclusive negotiation style. And just remind us what that is. So inclusive is we are going to list the things that can happen during the scene and only those things can happen contrasted with exclusive negotiation style is expressing limits. You can't touch my pussy. That's exclusive style. Whereas inclusive style would be, we will do a scene that will include some of touching your breasts, pulling your hair, putting you in a partial suspension, and then you list the things that might happen, which doesn't mean you have to do every single one of them. It's not a laundry list you have to go through. But it's a list of things you can pick out of to build your scene. Yeah. And we'll link to the negotiation episode, which goes into a lot more depth. As we've said already, the more you get to know each other, the better of a time you're going to have. And I would add to that, that also applies to someone you've played with in the past, but you haven't seen for a while. Hmm. Um, It's not safe to assume that they're going to want the exact same type of play you've had with them last time you saw them, if that was 6 or 12 months ago. So taking the time to sit down with them again and go over things again is going to help you a lot. So Um, we often talk about goal versus process, and I think that's a good one to check into. So for some people, they've seen pretty photos of people in rope. They want a photo of themselves in rope. And that is a goal-orientated tie. Yeah, and I would say that is the majority of people in this situation in our local scene in Thailand would be that they come from that angle. But if you take the time to talk with them, you might actually 
show them a different aspect of rope that they might become interested in as a result. Um, but the more experienced they are, the more they'll know themselves as to whether they're looking for that. Mm. Okay, I want a photo of myself bound because I find that photo erotic versus the process of having rope on me is erotic. Absolutely. Um, in general, if you're going to tie with a person for the first time, going less intense is probably a good idea. It's better to slightly underwhelm, but have a second scene with that person than to go whole hog and overwhelm them, them and terrify them and yeah. they'll never want to see you again and you might get a bad reputation out of it like everyone loses and equally i would say try not to do too many things so mm -hmm. sometimes i've seen new people throw in like 10 different impact tools as well as rope into the first scene and wax and water and electricity yeah. and spinning yeah. them and by the end they don't and even know what they experienced exactly and and i think as a you know if i think back to when i was newer just experiencing one or two things at a time helps the person to um really understand whether they like that thing um if you do flogging and caning and paddling and spanking and whipping and it's four times whips in one scene it's very difficult for the bottom to kind of pick apart what was what yeah i think we like being incremental and starting from something simple and with someone a lot with simplicity it doesn't do mean that your scene isn't amazing uh absolutely um what else we are going, obviously, to consider the physical abilities of the person we're tying with. Um, if someone is a gymnast and does aerial silks and runs a marathon twice a week and whatever else, uh, versus if it's someone who has had a shoulder no. injury uh, last month, we're going to take all those parameters into account. Keeping in mind that rope is its own, is its own thing, so... Just because we've done other things doesn't necessarily mean you can yeah. prove them too far either. Um, and also, it's important, I think, um, that the top gets to communicate what they're looking for mm -hmm. and to actually share that with the bottom. Because uh, one of the things we sometimes find is that people are not super kink compatible. Yes. Um, so just because you do rope as a top and you do rope as a bottom doesn't mean you're a good match. It might not be the right rope for you they might be a sadist you might be a sensualist yeah um so that's quite important um in terms of understanding experience and what is liked and disliked so to rephrase what you said in slightly less less fancy terms um an interaction i hear all the time is a rigger talking about a negotiation he just had with a bottom saying Oh, I asked her 20 questions and she didn't ask me a single question. So she doesn't know anything about me or what I want. And what I want to say to that is A, yes, it's sad. But B, you can also offer information without being asked. Yeah. And if you want your bottom to know about you, you can just offer that information. Yeah. I think both, again, it goes back to our responsibilities in work. Both parties need to be proactive mm -hmm. and communicate. So if we've done that, if we've had good communication, then we can have valid consent, informed consent, and we are 
not only likely to have a better scene, but honestly, we're going to have a much safer scene. And probably you need to be specific about what you are going to do in that case. So I'm going to use a flogger um, and I'm going to tie you in a hands behind the back. Um, I don't know. Not seated tie. Sure. Whatever it is. Yes. So um, I think that's... Um, useful and then they know actually i can't bend my leg like that so i yeah. can't do that yeah the, the more you're going to put on the table the safer it's going to be for the both of you and one thing i would also like to stress is a valid outcome to a play negotiation is let's not play today because maybe we're not compatible maybe today we're not in the right frame of mind like it's super okay for the result of a negotiation to be we're not right for each other today is not the right day for this play it's so much better than trying to push yourself into doing something you shouldn't be doing so why is Ko's question important like why have we d decided that it's a good one for us to answer because if you take this situation too lightly I think you could get in trouble And it's a situation that, at least in more developing king scenes, like our one in Thailand, you can honestly see quite often because there's not that many very experienced rogue people here. Hmm. So most of the people you're likely to find at parties and after parties, after munches and rope jams and so on uh, are going to have very little rope experience. And how you handle that is going to be honestly quite critical to your longevity as a rope person. Um, so it's quite a common situation, and I don't think that's just here, because mm -hmm. um, having a look on um, fat life and talking to other people, it seems to be a question that happens yeah, quite a lot. Absolutely. Um, all right. Um, um, I would just plug very quickly on the topic of informed consent, the fact that we like the Fry's model of consent, which comes from the American Planned Parenthood, And so it's an anagram. So FRIZED stands for freely given, reversible, informed, enthusiastic, and specific. And so in this case, we're talking particularly about the I, so the informed, the person understanding what were bondage is so they can agree to it, knowing that. And the S, the specific, because for them, it might mean you're going to, take some put some rope on them and take a photo and maybe to you because that's what you're used to doing it means you're going to strip them naked and suspend them and touch their genitals and so if you have not specified you could get into a lot of trouble yeah so you've had the discussion and then um there's probably two main paths you can go down so talk us through what they might be fox um, yeah, you could have less of a discussion, or at least a lighter discussion, and do a very low scene risk. So one where most people are very likely to be okay with it. Uh, and to be clear, when I say low risk, it doesn't mean that it's not dangerous, because we consider rope bondage edge play. We think there's always an element of risk in rope bondage that cannot be fully eliminated no matter what you do. But what I mean by that is... Well, less things than the average person is likely to have an issue with, less things that risk making them feel bad. Uh, so you're going to avoid things like touching the genitals, because 
it is more likely to be an issue for most people, especially if you don't know them very well. Uh, avoid contact with their mouth, both with well, no kissing them, no touching their mouth, no putting rope in their mouth. Uh, you're going to minimize the pain in the scene, although, once again, you can really always reduce it to zero because rope bondage hurts. Uh, you're going to try to limit the amount of pain uh, you're going to inflict. You're going to stay away from suspension and stay with floor rope, which honestly, no matter who the person is, I would try to always do as a first time tying someone. Uh, I am very unlikely to be comfortable suspending someone if we have not done at least some floor rope together first. Mm -hmm. uh, and then I would also avoid aspects of exposure or humiliation because the psychological endangerment is as important as the physical one, I would say. What do you think, Maya? Uh, yeah, I, I would definitely agree. Um, and you can have a nice... Um, I'm just thinking about scenes that I've done. You can have a nice scene with all of those. Mm -hmm. um, and in fact, that that's mostly where I start with my scenes. And, and I do... I think I've said this before, but the creativity of the rigor is important to me. And being able to do a fun scene with those limitations means that I'm more likely to want to do a tougher or harder core scene. Um, having said that, obviously for some people that might take, for example, taking pain out of it, if they're a masochist, might... Um, it might reduce the fun a lot. Reduce their, their fun, depending on why they do rope and their yeah. kinks. And that's why there's the other way, which is to really take the time to have an in-depth discussion which is going to be harder if you're at a jam or at a rope party, but if you're just discussing doing a tie in private next week, then you have plenty of time. Like get on the chat, get on the phone, uh, use some of the negotiation tools that are commonly available, and like really take your time to iron it out, and then you can have as much fun as you want. Yeah, and you like very much to uh, negotiate before you're. Parties. Yeah, so that's why I don't really like people approaching me at a rope jam, for instance, and asking me to tie them because I always make sure to announce in advance when I'm going to a rope jam, if I know I'm going to be available to tie new people, I let them know and I ask them to message me and then we have the time to have those conversations. Uh, walking up to me when there's half an hour left of the rope jam and asking me to tie doesn't mean I'm going to say no, I'm probably going to say yes, but I'm going to enjoy it a lot less than if we had all that time to plan. I made sure to bring the right gear with me because I knew what kind of scene we were doing. Like if you tell me, oh, by the way, I love candle wax with my rope. Well, as it happens, I love candle wax also, but I didn't bring my candles because yeah. you didn't tell me in advance you might want to do that. All right, so um, either way, the, the critical thing is don't make assumptions and make sure you have valid and informed uh, consent, as mm -hmm. we've discussed. Yeah. So it's not just about that discussion itself, is it? The, the next day, interestingly, mm. after you've done the rope scene yeah. is also important. Uh, the follow-up is going to be really important, um, both to make sure that both partners had a good experience, and if it's not the case, mitigate it. Like, the way you're going to handle a less ideal experience is going to be really important uh, and also if you plan to continue playing with this person if this person is part of your local community you're going to see them again 
doing a good debrief of your scene means the next time you play with them, you're going to have so much more information, so much more data you can use to make the scene better. Yeah, yeah. Um, and if they're an introvert, they might not be able to tell you very much about it immediately. Mm-hmm. They might be able to talk more the next day. Yeah. Um, and sometimes new things will come to them the next day. Oh, absolutely. Uh, and I would say it's interesting to get their feedback both after the aftercare on the same day and then the next day and to see what the differences might be. Yeah, yeah. All right. So, Maya, we are talking about uh, Rope Bottom being asked what they want to do rope-wise and saying, I don't know. What are some other things as a bottom you might say rather than, I don't know? Yeah, so um, I would say... um like I said before, one of the reasons that rope bottoms can say it more experienced ones is because they're interested in what the rigger might do. So if that's the case, tell the rigger why you're interested in them. So hopefully, And they're going to love that. Yeah. Hopefully, you're not just interested in them because they're a pair of hands that does rope. Hopefully, Hi, rope dispenser. Yeah, hopefully you're not looking for a rope dispenser. Hopefully, you're interested in them as a person and because of their particular style, uh, because of something you've seen, um, something you've heard. Um, and that's a good thing to start with. So, um, hi, uh, Fox. Um, I've heard... Hi, Maya. I'm trying to... You look beautiful today. I'm trying to... Psh- trying to do the role play um i've heard that you so dear listeners you can see it because this is radio but maya is very red in the face right now i'll never get to the end of our episodes um so why are you interested in this rigor so you might say um fox i've heard you're quite a safe player um you have a good reputation and i've been watching you do rope with whoever from afar um, and I really like the connection that you have with your bottom, the way you move them around. I'm interested in a scene where we do some rope which has a lot of movement and feeling. Um, is that something that you might be interested in? So then you're going with something a bit more concrete about that individual rather than, hi, I've heard you dispense rope and I'd like to be dispensed. I'd like two units of rope, yeah, please. Exactly. I'd like I'd like 35 minutes of rope and then a big glass of water. Yeah. So you can also talk about rope experiences you've liked in the past. So you can describe scenes. Um, so I did this one scene where I really enjoyed um, the comfort of being in rope. Um, or I did one scene where the rigger um, tied my legs together. Uh-huh. And I really enjoyed when she did that. Um, you could talk um, in a conceptual way, like like you were talking about before. So yeah. I like being controlled. I like pain. I like feeling subby. I That's like a feeling subby. Yeah, people like that a lot. I like feeling protected by the rope. It's, I mean, if you listen to our emotions in rope episode, you'll you'll see there's a million feelings you can feel in rope. So that can help. And you can also talk concretely mm-hmm. um, about things you like and dislike. So um, I love rope around my hands and feet. Um, I love not being able to move. I like a lot of rope on my body. A lot of us say that. would that. be you. That would be quite common. Um, or the bit about rope I most enjoy is being untied, which helps all to guide the rigor um, to create a scene that might work well for both people. Mm-hmm. Um, so as a rope bottom, you need to not assume also. 
Um, I very much hope you will take the time to find out about your rock top, what they like. Um, and you have equal responsibilities to your rigor, to yourself, to the scene. And you're both the architects of the success of the scene, like like dancers. Um, like both the lead and the floor are very important to having a successful dance, and it's very much the same with rope. The bottom is as important to the success of the scene as the yeah. rigor is. And asking the rigor what they love about rope um, gives you that Venn diagram of what the two of you have in common and can help you both to kind of contribute towards building a scene that's great for both mm. of you. So that's all from us today at The Rope Podcast. Don't forget to subscribe wherever you get your podcast from. So iTunes, Stitcher, or come find us on our FetLife page, Rope Podcast. You can also find us on our website, ropepodcast.com. And from there, you can go on to our Patreon, which gives you the option to support us and help us make many new episodes like this one. Uh, also, like Co did today, and I hope we uh, answered his question satisfactorily you can also send your question and we will try to answer it in an upcoming episode thanks for listening and have fun tying <laughs>